It was the biggest obituary in the New York Times. The day was Friday, April 17, 1998, and the man's name was Lou Saunders. And that day, his obituary took up more space than anybody else. But why? Why was this world-famous newspaper so interested in this man, Lou Saunders? The New York Times said he was a graduate of Johnson Bible College, but that's not why his obituary was so big. And the New York Times said that he spent many years preaching for a church down in the state of Texas. But again, that's not why the paper was spending so much time in talking about him. No, the reason for all the hoopla was because of a funeral that Lou Saunders had performed way back in the year 1963. That was the year that Lee Harvey Oswald assassinated the President of the United States, John Kennedy. But a week later, Jack Ruby shot and killed Mr. Oswald. So now, who is going to perform the funeral for this assassin? You see, at that point in time, there was no one more hated in all the world than Lee Harvey Oswald. A number of preachers have been asked to perform the graveside service, but they all declined. They said it was too dangerous. They're too scared of being shot. So on the day of his burial, as his mother, Mrs. Oswald, was being escorted by the Secret Service personnel, as they were driving to the cemetery, this graduate of Johnson Bible College just happened to be visiting the cemetery that day. So just a few moments before Lee Harvey Oswald was scheduled to be lowered into the ground, the Secret Service discovered this man happened to be a preacher, and so they asked him, hey, would you be willing to help? And Lou Saunders said yes. So with no time to prepare and his Bible still back in his car, he stood at the head of the casket and he recited from memory the words of the 23rd Psalm. He mentioned a few words about the deceased, a few words that the mother had whispered in his ear just before he started to speak, and then he prayed. And that was it. The service was over. The New York Times said it was one of the shortest memorial services ever performed, but here was a good man showing an enormous amount of compassion for a very broken and troubled family. And so, 35 years later, this world-famous newspaper chose to remember Lou Saunders and his act of kindness. Now, here's my question. Do you think that was the only funeral that Lou Saunders ever performed? Do you think that was the only time he tried to help somebody in need? No. The world took note of one act of kindness on one day in November of 1963. But there were thousands of other days when Lou Saunders was busy trying to help others. The New York Times just chose not to focus upon that, but God noticed. And how do I know that to be true? Well, it's because of the scripture that we're going to read and study today from Acts chapter 9. You see, there are many good things that occur in this world that are never going to make the headlines of the New York Times. But know this, it will make the headlines in heaven. And that truth is brought out in the life of this woman named Tabitha. Notice what the Bible says about her. Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 36. In the city of Joppa, this is where Tabitha lives. Joppa is a place that's right next to the Mediterranean Sea. It's about 35 miles northwest of Jerusalem. It's the place where once Jonah, Jonah the prophet, had boarded a ship to head off to Spain because he was trying to run away from God. And why was he running away? Because he didn't want to answer the call of God to go to the city of Nineveh and preach to a bunch of Gentiles. So he went the other direction. But now, many years later, in this very same place, we find a woman who's doing the very opposite. Instead of running away, no, every day she is busy chasing after God. It says, in the city of Joppa, there was a disciple by the name of Tabitha. Now, that word disciple is not just a Bible word. In fact, about 300 years before Luke wrote the book of Acts, 
there was a man in, in Greece by the name of Diogenes, and he talked about these two ladies who were disciples of Plato. And by that, what he meant was, here were two ladies who had adopted Plato's philosophy, his approach to life, his way of looking at the world. Well, now, many years later, here's another woman being referred to as a disciple. Only this one is not a disciple of Plato. She's a disciple of Jesus. And what, is, what does the Bible mean when it says Tabitha is a disciple of Jesus? It means every day she made this choice to live her life the way Jesus would. And what does a life like that look like? Well, notice what the Bible says about Tabitha here in verse 36. You see, because Tabitha lives in the city of Joppa, this is a pretty good-sized town. And it's a town where there are just as many Gentiles as there are Jews. So in a place like this, you'll probably be known by two names. And so the Bible tells us about Tabitha. To all her Jewish friends, she was known by her Aramaic name, Tabitha. But to all the Greek-speaking people, to all the Gentiles in town, she was known by her Greek name of Dorcas. But what's being implied here in verse 36 is that Tabitha was known all over the city. And no matter what part of town she was in, whether Jew or Gentile, everybody knew this to be true about her. It says, and Tabitha was always doing good. Doing good for both Jews and Gentiles. Doing good for both believers and non-believers. In fact, in the original Greek language, it literally says, and Tabitha was full of good works. You know that old analogy where what happens when you bump into somebody who's carrying a glass of milk? Or you bump into somebody who's carrying a glass of tea. Uh, you know, what comes spilling out of the glass? Well, whatever that glass happens to be full of. What happens when somebody bumps into you or somebody bumps into me? What comes spilling out of our hearts? Anger, criticism, judgment? Luke says anytime you would bump into Tabitha, instantly there was a smile. And immediately there was this look of concern and, hey, are you okay? Are you doing all right? Is there any way I need to help? And why was Tabitha like that? because every day she was trying to follow Jesus. She had a heart like his. Her life was just full of the desire, I wanna give, I wanna help, I wanna make a difference for others. Now, pause for a moment. I want you to recognize something. When the Bible talks about Tabitha, it's showing us something important. What was it like to be a Christian back in that first century world? Well, many times when we think about that, we immediately think of people like Peter or Paul, or one of the apostles. Or we think of somebody like Barnabas or Silas, one of the prophets or evangelists, and we think, okay, here's the standard of what it means to follow Jesus. Just like any of those men, we need to sell our house, give up our career, and go to the mission field and spend the rest of our days preaching and teaching. But is that really what the average Christian was like back in that day and time? No. No, the vast majority of the people that Peter and Paul led to Jesus did not end up becoming apostles, prophets, or evangelists. The vast majority of people that Peter and Paul led to Jesus did not go on a missionary journey with them. No, many of the early disciples in that first century church, they were farmers, merchants, mothers, fathers, the people who stayed behind when Peter and Paul moved on to the next town. And it was these ordinary Christians who in their everyday lives showed everybody else in town, here's what living for Jesus really means. Here's what the gospel looks like when you head out to the field to plant a crop. And here's what the gospel looks like when you head into town to buy a tool. And here's what the gospel looks like when you take time to help a neighbor fix a roof. And here's what the gospel looks like when you go home to eat a meal with a family. You see, it was in their everyday lives, they were painting this picture of, here's what the story of Jesus is all about. And that's exactly what we see in the life of Tabitha. She didn't plant any churches like Peter and Paul did. 
She didn't spend hours and hours every day studying, reading and studying the Old Testament scrolls and then writing scripture herself like many of the apostles did. She didn't stand on the street corner and preach to hundreds of people like the prophets and evangelists did. Tabitha didn't do any of those things. But in her own small and simple way, every day, Tabitha just loved Jesus. And every day she looked for ways to serve him. And in serving him, what she did was just as important as any of those apostles, prophets, and evangelists. In fact, it was because of people like Tabitha that that first century church turned the world upside down. So notice the impact that she makes. And notice, too, how she makes that impact. Verse 37. It says, About that time, Tabitha became sick and died. And her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. They're getting her ready for the burial. But just before they bury her, the Christians here in Joppa, they learn that Peter's close by. He's in another town about 10 miles away. So they send two of their men to get him. Now why? Are they hoping that Peter will come over and pay his respects to this outstanding Christian lady? Perhaps. Or could it be that they were hoping for something more? The Bible doesn't say, but notice that when Peter arrives, notice how all the people begin to talk about Tabitha. Let's skip down to verse 39. It says, when Peter arrived in the city of Joppa, he immediately is taken to that upstairs room. And all the widows stood around him crying and showing him. There's one of the key phrases. Showing him the robes and showing him the other clothing that Tabitha had made for them. That expression, showing him, literally means they were wearing the clothes. Do you see, Peter? Do you see how beautiful this is? Do you see how well this fits? That's typical of Tabitha. See, back up in verse 36, when the Bible talked about Tabitha, and it said that she was always doing good, that's kind of a general expression to talk about the daily acts of kindness that she would perform for her, her friends and her neighbors. But then in addition to that, it says at the very end of verse 36, she also took time to help the poor, meaning that she would give money and food to those who were hurting and in need. Well, now we get down to verse 39, and we learn in addition to all those other good things that she was doing, that Tabitha also had this gift, this talent for making clothes. And she used this talent in a very specific way to make clothes for widows, that group of people who didn't have the money back in that first century world to go to the store and buy something nice for themselves. So Tabitha would get the very finest of fabrics and make something nice for them. And notice how she makes those clothes. Verse 39, it says, And Tabitha made the clothes while she was with them. You get that? She isn't serving from a distance. She actually spent time with the widows. She lives among them. She interacts with them. She knows them in a very personal way. And it's because of that, that's why she knew exactly what kind of coat or what style of dress to make for each one of those widows. In other words, it wasn't just the clothes that she made. It was her friendship with them, her love and concern for them. That's why the bond between all these ladies was so tight and so meaningful. Do you remember how Jesus described the kingdom of God in Matthew chapter 13? Verse 33 says, you know, God's like a baker, and he'll take a tiny bit of yeast, not a big amount, just a pinch, and he'll add it to the dough. And if you don't know anything at all about cooking, you're thinking to yourself, well, what good is that going to do? It's such a little bit. Why even bother to add it? We'll wait and watch. He puts the dough into the oven, and as it begins to cook, the tiny bit of yeast slowly works its way through the entire batch so that by the time the cooking process is over, it's that yeast that causes the cake to rise or causes the rolls to expand. Well, that's Tabitha. It's not just what she's doing. It's the way in which she does it. 
She's not just making clothes. It's the smile and the hug and the word of encouragement she would give as she brought that coat or she brought that dress to each one of those widows. You see, it's that little bit of ease that God would use to cause a faith and a love and a joy to rise up in the hearts of the people that she was serving. Notice how the story finishes. Verse 40. Peter sends all the people out of the room. And now that he's alone, he gets down on his knees and he prays. He prays for Tabitha. When he finishes the prayer, he turns towards Tabitha and he said, Tabitha, get up. And she opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and he helped her to her feet. And then he called for all the believers, especially the widows, and he presented her to them alive. And this miracle, because Tabitha was known all over the town of Joppa, this miracle became known all over the town of Joppa. And as a result, many people believed in the Lord. Again, there's one of those key phrases. Because of the work that God's been doing in Tabitha's life, both before and after the miracle, many others come to put their trust in Jesus as well. So, what do I learn from Tabitha? What does she show me about what it really means to be a disciple of Jesus? Here's what I see. It's not just that Tabitha followed Jesus, but it's the fact that she followed him in a way that caused so many other people in Joppa to become interested in wanting to know more about him. Donald Miller said he always hated jazz music. He said, for the longest time, that kind of music just never made any sense to me. That style of music always sounded alien and strange, so I never understood what was the appeal. Jazz music, why would you like something like that? And then he said one night he was standing outside the Baghdad Theater in downtown Portland, Oregon, and he said there was a man standing on the sidewalk who was playing a saxophone, playing some jazz. He said for 15 minutes he just stood there, eyes closed, lost in the music that he was playing. It was obvious he loved what he was doing. And Donald Miller said, as I stood there and I watched him, as I stood there and I listened to him, he said, suddenly I began to feel something, something I'd never felt before, a love and an appreciation for jazz. Isn't it true that sometimes you have to watch somebody else love something before you learn to love and appreciate it too? You know, you never cared much for the game of baseball until your son took up the sport. And when you saw his joy and his enthusiasm, when you saw his love for that game, suddenly you became a fan too. Or you never cared much for musicals until your daughter got the lead role in the school play. And when you saw her excitement, when you sensed her passion, when you saw the way she would throw herself into every one of those performances, suddenly you got interested too. How many of us today are reading books or playing games or watching movies or going to restaurants simply because a friend of ours happened to recommend it? In fact, that friend of ours wouldn't stop talking about it. So finally we thought, hey, I got to check this out for myself too. Names like Woody, Buzz Lightyear, and Lightning McQueen, those names wouldn't have meant anything at all to me except for the fact that I have four grandchildren. And over the years, they watch those movies all the time and they love the characters in those movies. And because they love them, over the years, I've come to appreciate them too. Isn't it true that sometimes you have to watch somebody else love something before you come to love and appreciate it too? And isn't that exactly what we're seeing here in Acts chapter nine? Because Tabitha was known all over the town of Joppa. Everybody watched her. And as they watched her, they saw the excitement. They could sense the passion. They could feel the love that she had for Jesus. And because of that love, they got interested too. Maybe. Maybe that's why God puts you where you are right now. Maybe that's why he puts you on that soccer field. Maybe that's why he puts you in that classroom. Maybe that's why he puts you on that hospital floor. 
because he wanted others to see. He wanted others to watch. Hey, what causes you to get excited? What is it that inspires you? What is it that really matters to you? What is it that gives you hope? Because God knows sometimes you have to watch somebody else love something before you come to love and appreciate it to them. So will there be somebody someday who becomes interested in knowing more about Jesus simply because of what they saw in your life and in mine? Let's pray. God, we want to be disciples of Jesus, disciples who make disciples for Jesus. So God, our prayer is this, every day as we continue to follow Jesus, may our love for the Lord Jesus just continue to grow and may that love encourage others to become interested in following him too. And we pray for this in Jesus' name, amen.